buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. Today, I've got another fantastic guest for you. Uh, I've got Steve Lover, and he's a business development coach. He's an experienced coach helping small business owners increase their sales, execute better marketing, implement better systems, design existing customer experiences, and create inspirational cultures. So we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic today, one that we haven't covered, and I think that there's going to be a ton of value. Uh, What's the difference between a pleasing versus a serving personality and why that's important? Um, And, you know, Steve has promised to be give you some strategies that you can implement uh, if you haven't already or some things to consider. So Steve, welcome to Sales Hustle. Thanks a lot. Great being here. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Um, and I know that we're going to have a lot of fun because you promised we would. Hey, that's one of the rules, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, or else we wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> um, so yeah. before we d- dive in and get too strategic here, uh, just give us the short version of your story, your sales story, you know, how you got passionate about doing this work and kind of where, you know, where it started. Sure, I'll give you the two-minute version. Um, I started my political my, my my career out as an Orthodox rabbi, and I was in Jerusalem. Then I was in Amsterdam, Holland. Then I was in Minneapolis, and then Los Angeles. Uh, they call it a movement for a reason. And then uh, what ended up happening is my family got larger. I had to go from nonprofit to profit. Uh, how big your family, How big's your family? I got six kids and thirty some my grandkids, but at that time it was only six kids. Oh, wow. So, um, and what happened is uh, we moved to Detroit, started a business, had all the great ideals and work ethic and not enough capital and closed it with six figures worth of debt in a couple of years. And an old student of mine said he belonged in the insurance business. So I became an agent and did pretty well as an agent to the point where New York Life tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, maybe you'll come a trainer for us. Mm. And I became a trainer, and um, the working with agents was very rewarding. But whatever we did, 75% of them were falling off. And New York Life had a basic philosophical bend for the salespeople. If they had the knowledge and they had the skill and they had desire, there's no reason they weren't successful. And sure enough, there's plenty of guys I saw come in that could get the knowledge, get the skill, had the desire, and were falling off. And so I came up with some unique ideas. I learned about coaching and I found some things that were really effective. 
And I came to the company asking if I could start implementing. They said no. So I left the company and started my own practice in 2005. And at that point, I was dealing with a lot of wholesalers. Uh, we had one guy take his uh, territory from 50 million to 100 million. Another guy go from 42 out of 45 to number two out of 45 in his zone. And another guy hit all of his bonuses in September. And so I saw it was working and it ended up moving out to other businesses. But uh, really where everything started was in the insurance business working with salespeople. Wow. All right. So I want to go back for a second and just talk about that big number. I mean, you said 75% of these people were dropping out. <laughs> sure. Actually, the, the way the system set up in the insurance industry, it's a little known secret or a dirty little secret, <laughs> is um, they need that number to be 75%. If you'd have offices all of a sudden have a retention of 50%, all those extra renewals would be being paid out and the company wouldn't be profitable to do that. Oh, so in wow. other words, the way they pay their agents and, and therefore the management of the sales teams is such that if that number doesn't fall off, they're paying them too much money because they couldn't afford to do it otherwise. Now that's career yeah. agencies where if you're yeah. talking about brokerage, you just get a one-year commission finished. There's no renewals on it. Mm. Interesting. So, so they so, so they kind of didn't want them to succeed is what it sounds like. Well, well, you know, they had a rule. They had a rule, and their rule was like this. You brought in 10 guys. One guy will make it no matter what you do with him. Two guys are going to die no matter what you do with him. And the other seven guys is going to depend on your training. Mm. And it wasn't – I think that number's a little bit off. I don't think the seven guys were just dependent on training. They were dependent on so many things. Because I could train a guy up, and he could get exactly what he had to do. But there was something about him as a person where he had to go to be able to pull the trigger. And I don't care how much desire you want. If you're riddled with fear about making a step or making the call or doing the things, you ain't doing it. Wow. The question is how you overcome that and what you do. And and so is is this when you kind of came to this sort of realization or, or was it further on that, you know, there was a big difference between people that had this pleasing versus serving personality? So this is something I use very, very much in my business coaching with business owners. And actually, I don't remember the last time I spoke to a business owner that didn't have this problem. And the problem is, as little kids were told by my mother, come, we're going to the store, if you behave really good, I'm going to give you a lolly when we get home. And we learn to be pleasing, to do things to make mommy and daddy happy. Yeah. Well, what happens is not mommy and daddy, it's a teacher, and it's all the other things that we have in our life. And then we get to the age, we go get our first job, and we think we have to be pleasing. So we call a guy up, and we want to make an appointment. And he says, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, okay, great, when do you want to see me? I'll, I'll move my schedule around to, serve, to please you. Yeah. And they, they really want to be loved. They want the people to love and watch you call. Whereas yeah. real service... It's about I'm doing something for you, and even if it's going to take you off, I'm still going to do it for you. Yeah. And even if it's not going to make you so happy, I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, there's, there's, there's another corollary I use, the difference between nice and kind. Nice and kind is a really interesting distinction, and I don't believe in being nice. I believe in being kind. And here's the difference. Guy walks out of a restroom, and he's got, you know, he blew his nose, and he's got some dirt on his tie. And his friend comes over and says, hey, you got some dirt on your tie. He says, I know it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to tell you. It's uncomfortable for you to hear it. But I care about you too much to let you walk around with it. Hmm. Whereas there's a lot of nice people who see it. They're not going to say anything because they don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. 
That's a, so, that's a great example. I mean, yes. so many times like people have got, you know, maybe some food t- stuck in their teeth and, you know, you're like, uh, people, you know, people that want to please people will be like, should I say something? Should I not no. say something? I don't want to make, they're Pleasers not going to say something. Say. They're going to let you walk around with food in your teeth. <laughs> because it's more important to, for them, to you to feel that they love you. Whereas if you're yeah. really serving them and you care about them and you're doing what's best for them, yeah. you say, yeah. hey, Colin. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you got some food in your teeth. You got to take care of it. You're going to be seeing other people today. Or if they're really, really taking their service to a next level, they're going to reach over and help you get that out. (laughs) Okay. That that might be, that is a very close relationship. (laughs) You know, but but, you know, I'll give you another example. I was one standing in a, um, a voting line to go vote. There was a young kid behind the counter. And he said to me, sir, your zip is open. Yeah. For somebody that doesn't know you, I didn't know where to do that. That person was a kind person. He cared about me more than he cared about saying something uncomfortable. You should have gave him a sales job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, taking it back now to, 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 to the salesman, the salesman tries to be nice and he wants to be pleasing. And instead, what he needs to do is start getting to serving and say, what do I have to do to really serve this guy? Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes the answer is I can't serve him. Let me get out of here. Yeah. It's not the right client for me. I can't provide the service he needs or he's too difficult. He's not the guy I want to work with. Yeah. I used, I used to speak to agents all the time by a show of hands. How many people in this room have taken a client they knew shouldn't take when they took them, but the money was too good. Every hand in the room goes up. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second question is how many of you would do it again? And not one hand goes up. Mm. And, and either they're not being honest about it. <laughs> Or, 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 you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of salespeople are stubborn, right? So sometimes we've got to learn by being burned (laughs) or, you know, I I can admit I've definitely done it, but I don't do it anymore. That's for sure. Like if I feel like somebody's going to be a pain in the rear, sorry, I don't care how, I don't care how much money, you know, you're, you're willing to pay for this service. It's, it's not a fit. And, and enough, a lot of salespeople don't have the level of confidence or the discipline to turn down the business. So really that's, that's another interesting discussion is how do you develop confidence? Because it's really what it's about. It's really what's, what it's about. And it does it, the pleasing and serving difference is a whole different way you approach your business. When you're pleasing, it's about me feeling loved. When it's your serving, it's about what I bring to other people. When my focus goes off me onto the other person, my discussions are different. My energy is different. The way I talk is different. The way I come across is different. And yeah. so, guy says, "Yeah, I'm willing to meet you." So good. These are the two times I have good this week available next this week. If not, we can talk about next week. I'm not moving my schedule around for you. I'm a business. I got my own business I'm running. Even my only salesman, I'm still a business owner. Let's face it. I'm in business for myself, and I, you know, you, you might have all kinds of perks and everything. But the bottom line is, you have to get to the point of seeing enough people that it makes uh, the, 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 the game work and that you're making enough money and yeah. that your company's making enough money that's worthwhile for you. And that's all about serving the client, doing what's best for them. And the way you build the confidence to get there is first off, you keep a full funnel. Yeah. If I only got two people in my funnel and I go to see one of them, I'm going to do whatever I can to make that happen because if not, I'm not eating next week. If I have 12 people or 15 or 20 or 30 people in my funnel, then if it doesn't work, it's not the best service that I can give them. I can't serve them in the best way possible. I'm moving on. Yeah. And or if you're going to, if I feel like you're going to be a pain, then I'm not going to move forward. Cause I got right. 28 other people 
that have a likelihood and that even, and that even can go in another, you know, keeping a full funnel. I love that you brought that up because that is a huge contributor to, to having, having confidence in the sales conversations that you have. Um, but also being disciplined about what you allow to be in the funnel is a whole nother conversation, right? Like disqualifying people early of like, Hey, this is not a right fit. I'm not best suited to serve them. Or this is somebody I don't want to work with. hundred thousand percent, but that's a process. In other words, a new aid, new salesman coming in, his uh, his bar of entry is much lower than as you get better and more experienced and more confident. Yeah. So let's say in the insurance industry, until a guy wrote 200 policies, he's not really in the business yet. You know, you have to be out there and say that pitch and you have to go through the process and you have to write the things. So, you know, the first thing you say, what, what makes a good client when you're first starting? Somebody can fog a mirror. Now, if you're if you're 25 years in the business and you're still doing that, you're an idiot. Mm. Um, excuse my expression. I used to say about one of the guys in New York Life, he was 25 years with experience. And what he taught me is there's a very big difference between 25 years of experience and one year of experience 25 times. Because he was still mm. at the one year of experience just doing that again for the 25th time. Wow. So, so I absolutely agree. The quality of who gets in your funnel but that's something that grows as you grow at the quality of salesperson. That's not something you can just walk in the door and say, listen, I only want to, and I've seen people do that. I only want to do estate planning cases and people were not holding by doing estate planning cases, but that's all they want to do. Six months later, they are gone. There's no question about it. Yeah. Now, I mean, it, now if you, it, depending on what you sell, you know, it, it, it can, it can differ here, right? Like if you're, you're doing something highly transactional, um, then yeah, you know, you, 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 you can't be as selective <laughs> of like, correct. you know, who you allow in the funnel or not. Right. But if you're, you know, more of a high ticket, you know, enterprise type of thing, you can, you can be a little more specific, you know, um, and, you and, 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 and definitely as you know, time goes on and you get more experienced, you start to, you know, through that process, you start to learn, you know, what a good client for you looks like. Not just, you know, who can, you know, write a check. Yes. Well, that's what happens is as your confidence grows, automatically all those things are going to become a different situation. I have a coach that I know that is an incredible coach. I, you know, I've met him before and we've been in discussions. Guy charges 200 grand a year to coach. You pay him $200,000 a year up front. You got um, two meetings a month. They're in his office in Phoenix. So not only do you have to pay the 200 grand up front, but you have to show up in his office twice a month on time. Mm. And um, last year he had 83 people wanting the one spot he had left. Money in hand. And to me, I look at it, that's, that's incredible. I mean, that guy, but yeah. and he's worth every cent of it, by the way. But he basically has continued to raise his rates for a simple process, for a simple reason, is it's a filter of who he can really work with. He can't work with everybody. They right. definitely can't work with everybody who'd like to work with them. So, you know, to sit down and meet them the first time, five grand, you know, that's just the way it goes. And people are standing in line to do it. So that's about, but he wasn't like that when he first started, you know. He yeah, first started of course like, not. My, yeah. my rates are close to 10 times. They, mine were when, they first, when I first started the business in 05. But that's because of the confidence you get. And so building confidence is really about going out and doing things. A lot of people think that they can think themselves into confidence. You'll sit, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on it inside, and I'm going to, it's not true. Go out and do it and do it and do it and do it, and you get confidence. It's a great story. You'll appreciate this. And again, this is, 
this this might get into a little bit of a distinction that we have between quality and quantity. But there's a great story that a guy named Derek Sivers brings down his book. And his book is called uh, Anything You Want. He tells a story about a pottery class where the pottery class comes in and the professor divides them into two groups, group A and group Mm. B. Group A, he said, you guys have one project. You have to do one perfect piece of pottery, and that's how you can be graded on the quality of that one. And group B, you can be graded on the weight of the pottery. 100 pounds, A. 90 pounds, B. 80 pounds, C. 70 Mm. pounds, D. 60 pounds, E. Finished. Right? And what happened was really interesting is everybody came in and did their side. And at the end of the year, he picked the 10 best piece of pottery and brought in some judges to judge them. And all 10 of them were from the second group. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is when you get super highly focused on just the one project, you're not experiencing enough. Whereas if you're doing pottery and doing and doing and doing and doing, each time, oh, you know what? I learned this from this. Oh, I learned this from this. Oh, I learned this from this. Oh, I learned this from this. So it's the same thing by a salesperson. When you're trying to develop confidence, your confidence grows from going out and doing things and making mistakes and falling on your face and picking yourself up and going and doing again. And it's any business is like that. If you don't fall on your face, you're not going to learn the things you need to learn that creates that confidence that makes you very sure of yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with that. And, and and I've heard a similar story. I don't know if it's from the same book or not, um, but it was similar similar context of a project uh, with photographs with photography. Actually, class. the original story was the photographs. Yeah, so it's so you know, one person was supposed you know the group of people is supposed to have the perfect the perfect portrait or the perfect picture, right? And then the other group was graded on you know quantity, right? And the people in the quantity group, you know, did better because, you know, they, all of the photographs that they took led up to, and it was basically, you know, the the proof in point there is the the experience leads you to that, right? And, and so, uh, you know, I, I totally believe what you're saying here, right? Confidence doesn't come out of thinking your way into it, (laughs) right? I mean, Hey, having a positive mindset and being around positive people, Definitely helps, you 1, know, but you can't fake confidence, right? Confidence comes out of experience, out of, you know, winning, learning, getting better, improving, failing, making mistakes, adjusting, changing, you know, changing your offer, changing your rates, changing all of these things through everything that's led up to that. And if you're just getting started in sales, yeah, you probably can't be that selective and disqualify people and not allow as much in your pipeline. Or you're going to take those deals from people that you know are a pain in the butt, but you need the money because you got to eat. And, you know, it's going to take maybe taking a certain amount of those deals to realize like, hey, you know, now I can't do that. My my confidence is up. You know, I value what I do. My time is worth more. You know, all of those things that come through experience. And you know what? When you know you're getting there when you're able to start firing clients. When you're able to fire a client and say, you know what, this isn't working out, or you know what, I, I, I appreciate your discussion. You're not going to be a good client for me. I'm not going to be able to help you. And, you know, people with money in their hands say, what? What do you mean? But I want to pay for it. Yeah, I don't think so. And um, that's where it's all about. But you can't get there until you've had that experience and you've done and you've fallen and you've tried. And so what happens is a lot of salespeople get so timid because again getting back to our very first discussion of being pleasing they never develop that concept they, they, they never develop the confidence that they need that they can serve properly yeah 
Yeah. And, 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 and it's a funny thing because, you know, if you have a pleasing personality or you haven't, you know, gotten to a place where you're confident enough in, in what you do and how you serve, um, you actually, when you, when you're just a yes man or woman, you know, uh, you actually, it actually hurts building trust, rapport, and respect with your prospects, right? And, and, and the exact opposite is, is if you actually push back or challenge or make them think of something they hadn't considered, it works in your favor. So to not be pleasing is going to help you build way more high-quality relationships with the types of people that you want to do business with. So I actually found this with me in my coaching practice. A very, very interesting uh, thing dovetails right into what you just said is I would sometimes be meeting with somebody first time and that first meeting is along. And first there's just an introduction in 15 minutes. But then afterwards, before I take them a client, I'm not taking on a client if I haven't spent an hour or two with them. Right. Remember you saying that. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have be in that interview and I'll see something that I want to say. And in the old days, I'd say, you know what I mean? That might tick them off. I don't know if I want to do this. And when I got to the, the point of really understand serving, I said, screw it. And you know what I mean? If I can't say that to them and have them say, wow, um, I, I, it's not a good client for me. And so I yeah. always look for something that I can point out that's uncomfortable. And I'll say something and I'll, I'll introduce it, you know, pretty pleasantly. I have something uncomfortable for me to tell you or ask you, and it's going to be uncomfortable for you to hear. It's now a good time. Because that... That and you know what you're sitting down. I don't care what you're selling. You say that to a client, and they say yes. They just gave you permission to get into some place much deeper than any other salespeople have ever gotten. Yeah. And when they say yes, and you tell them that difficult thing, and actually, since I started doing that, my my the quality of the clients I'm getting in the relationships are ten times higher and deeper. Yeah. And what happened is they say, well, that guy's not afraid to give me something. One guy once said, listen, I interviewed five coaches and you're the only one I took because you're the only guy who threw ice water on me in the first meeting. He wasn't afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm guessing that getting to that place for even yourself and your own experience uh, was through experience, right? A thousand percent. Of, of not doing that maybe one too many times and then realizing like, hey, I'm not. I'm worth more. My time is worth more. It's, you know, dealing with people that I can't be that honest and upfront with from day one are not the type of people for me. Yeah, you know, it's more than that also. The way I view what I do, you know, some people say to me, wow, you're pretty expensive. And I say, actually, I'm cheap. I'll never be paid what I'm worth. <laughs> and they look at me like, why? Well, I remember I once said to the client, he had paid me because I worked with his staff and so on about 30 grand for the year. And I said to him, I, you'll never be, I'll never be paid what I'm worth. And he, he started smirking. And mm. he said, how do you figure that? And I said, remember nice and kind? Oh, yeah, I use it all the time. I use it with my employees. I use it with my clients. I use it at home. And it's very, become very important to me. I said, how long do you think you're going to use it in the future? He said, probably the rest of my, my career for sure. I said, great. And what do you think it's going to be worth to you over the, you know, the course of your career? And he said, well, I can't put a number on that. I said, so... One discussion, 10 minutes of one discussion out of a whole year yeah. of working together, and you say that one thing, I can't put a number on how much that's worth to me. And you ask me why I said I'll never be paid what I'm worth. And he stops me and says, okay, I get it. Yeah. And very often salespeople don't value what they bring to the table. You know, again, one of the things that I used to say to an insurance agent, 
how many people sold something real, a really good policy to somebody three years ago? Everybody raises their hands. Okay, how many of you guys still have that commission? No hands up. How many of your clients still have the policies? All the hands up. Who won? Who got the better end of the stick? Yeah. Sure, you got paid for bringing it to the table, but what the clients are now, if you're selling garbage or you're doing something that's in there, that's a different story. But if you're not, you're bringing real value. And the minute you start seeing that as value and something important in service, the pleasing falls out the window and you become a real professional. And all your confidence is there, your abilities to serve is there, and your helpfulness is there. Yeah. By the way, yeah. when, I, when I say pleasing versus serving, I don't mean to become a jerk. That's not the point. You still be a pleasant person. You just you, 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 the focus of your work is about the client and how you help them. Yeah, and you're going to tell them what they need to hear, not what you think they want to hear. Big, Big difference. difference between you. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. This this has been a, a great topic. Uh, I love digging into this, and I love the different stories you you you. Uh, presented here to break these things down and give these examples to, to make all the sales hustlers maybe think like, Hey, am I being more pleasing and, or serving, you know? And if you believe you're serving, you know, you're going to, you're going to tell people what they need to hear, you know, and build better, deeper relationships that have a much longer lifetime value than just, you know, a deal that's going to churn or cancel or never move forward in the first place. 100,000%. That's, that's the other thing I found is when I was an agent, and almost salespeople suffer from this at some point, that they have people that are calling and they're not getting back to them. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so what do you do about that? And there's a couple of different things. First off, great email. Hi, I've been reaching out a few times, haven't heard back from you. I can only assume one of three things happens. You're still interested, you're really busy, you're really not interested, and you don't know how to tell me you've been captured by aliens. Could you let me know which one of the three it is? Mm, yeah. And once that third one's there and they, they chuckle, they'll send you back. No, I'm really not interested, which is fine. I will take yeah. no's the whole day long rather than somebody stringing me along. The other yeah. thing is if I'm having, and this is unique to my business, it just happened a week ago, I had somebody I contacted and we said, we'll speak again. And we didn't, hadn't set up a date for whatever reason. And I reached out a couple of times. I didn't hear from him. So I went to Amazon and I ordered a book that I thought would be very appropriate for him. And I sent it to him. I actually had to come here so I could send it overnight. And I put a note in for him. And I overnighted to him. And two days later, I get a message. Sorry, I was out of town. I just saw the book you sent. I really appreciate it. Could we get on the calendar for next week? Yeah. He's a big potential client. Yeah. So I became an Amazon Prime member for one reason, one reason it was only that I'm able to send books out to people. Yeah. So um, just, you know, it's a matter of moving it along and, and getting clear. If it's not the right person, I'm not interested. And if it is the right person, let's find a way to make it happen. But this kind of, uh, you know, keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. We used to use something called the one card system. And after two years in the industry, the one card system became this big file box of names of people who didn't, who didn't, you wouldn't want to call who really were never going to buy, but you kept in your system. There's no reason for it. You know, yeah. give them a chance. I mean, the other thing is I'd speak to somebody and they'd say, yeah, I want to do it. Yeah. And, and, be, and finally at one point I'd look at them and say, listen, Mr. Prospect, tell you the truth. I got a lot on my plate. And right now I feel like I'm worrying more about your future than you are. 
And I promised my family I wouldn't do that anymore. So I'm taking your problem and giving it back to you. And when you decide you want to do something, you can make a decision and let me know. Now, what happened is 10% of people say, you're right, let's do it. And the other 90% would say, thank you back for giving me back my problem and going the happy way. And yeah. you know, I want to know that sooner than later. I don't want to have that 90 people that I'm still calling and saying, listen, I care about your kids and your wife more than you do. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's and, crazy. And, and here's here's the interesting thing. Both situation, both outcomes are positive for you as the seller because one there's going to be a good chunk of people that are going to appreciate you carrying and pushing back to, to get them to move forward, to serve them in a positive way, to do something that's impactful for them. And two, the people that say, Hey, you know, now you get clear. They feel, you know, they're those people that ghost you or, you know, don't respond or don't call you. They're good chance. They got pleasing personalities and they're not a holes. <laughs> they just, they just that's don't have it in them to tell you no, and they don't want to hurt your feelings, but you've now basically given permission. Like, Hey, I'm a big boy or girl and I, you know, can handle it. I just need to know so that I can move on. And that's a positive outcome too, because you can now refine your list, your CRM of the people that really genuinely value and want your help. And the ones that just maybe don't for whatever reason, and you don't have to take it personally. A hundred thousand percent. And even to take it a step further, you need to look at your business as a salesperson or a business owner in a sales organization that your business is not what you think your business is. If you're an insurance agent, your business is not insurance. If you're a stockbroker, it's not stocks. A mortgage broker, it's not mortgage. A real estate agent, it's not real estate. Your business is the movement of people through a process. Your business is finding people that are interested in this and marketing to them or selling to them and getting them through a process. It's not the end product. So mm. when you view it about the sales of the house, or the sales of the policy, the sales of the investment, so you're very focused on something that's just part of the process. When instead it's about keeping the inventory of people to speak to up, keeping my funnel full. So that's my business. My business is finding people that need the services I have and moving them through the funnel. It's not what happens in the funnel. Right. That's a big shift also. Yeah. 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 People get really caught up in what they're selling and don't think deeper into the actual, you know, relationships, the people, um, which is much more important when you focus on that selling, whatever the thing is becomes a lot easier. Yeah, 100,000%. And not only that, by the way, besides the fact more sales and everything else, there's another big benefit. When you're a server versus a pleaser, watch what happens to your referrals. Because people realize that you are there for them and you're serving them and you're willing to put your neck on the line for them that they can chop it off if they want to and say, get out of here and don't talk to me again. But yeah. they see that you are, are really, you care enough for them to do it. All of a sudden, the referrals are not a problem because you're not going to treat my friend any differently than you're treating me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Steve, thanks so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Let all the sales hustlers know, you know, what we're going to drop in the show notes forum, where they can find you, connect with you, learn more, all that good stuff. Cool beans. I will have um, a book available for anybody who wants. I wrote a book called Grow Your Business. Um, and it's basically time-tested. Um, there's eight strategies on how to um, find revenue tomorrow. It's really for business owners more than salespeople. Um, if anybody wants, I also have a book that I wrote specifically for insurance agents, but it's targeted at sales. It's really effective. Any um, uh, any sales 
field, and I'd be happy uh, from an, if somebody sends me an email to send them a PDF copy of that. Awesome. We'll drop your details there in the show notes. And where's the book available? The book is available. I will give you a link where people can go and, and download it. Okay. Awesome. We'll include that in the show notes, Sales Hustlers. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.